Is there truly power in telling your story? What happens when we step out of our comfort zone and share the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it means reliving a painful part of our past? As we launch this first episode of The Father Pursuit, today we hear not just the stories, but the testimonies of our hosts, Bryn and Brian Elliott, how they've experienced God's grace and goodness in the midst of tremendous brokenness and despair. Welcome to The Father Pursuit. This is an M46 Ministries podcast about fathers who want to pursue their children. As God our Father pursues us, we want to encourage fathers as they pursue their kids. And for those of you just trying to figure it all out, we walk this road together. No shame, no judgment, no condemnation. Just a real look at what it means to be an intentional father, learn from our mistakes, and grow forward in love and grace. Together, we are learning to be the father our father wants us to be. Welcome to the Father Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Davis, and today is our first official podcast, and I'm very excited to be here. We get to meet Bryn and Brian Elliott. They are the co-founders of M46 Ministries. Now, Bryn is an author, speaker, and has really become a voice of truth for a lost generation since committing her life to Jesus at 20 years old. And that came after years of abuse and addiction and family trauma. We'll get into some of that story today. But she's received ministry training through Youth with a Mission, and really it's been there that she's discovered a passion for serving mothers and children in need. She has written and released her first book called Dying to Live, Experiencing God's Redemptive Power, in the midst of tragedy. Now, her dad is Brian Elliott. He is an engineer, author, speaker, leader, CEO of Flow Energy Solutions, the co-founder and chairman of Beamy Kids, board member of Transform Our World Canada, and the co-founder and president of M46 Ministries, as well as serving in lots of other advisory roles. Now, that is a lot, but he also wants to be known, even more importantly, as an outdoor enthusiast, a devout follower of Jesus, and Bryn's dad. Now, despite years of trauma as a child, the loss of his daughter, Abby, and substantial family and financial hardship, Brian has experienced the incredible healing and restoration by God's grace. His love of discipleship and a burning desire to share what God has done in his life has led him to write More Than Gold, Reflections on Living in Glorious Freedom, with more books to come along the way. Now, M46 is taken from Malachi 4.6, where it says, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Brian and Bryn, I'm thankful to be here with you today. Now, already we've used the words stories and testimonies, almost interchangeably. Bryn, do you think that there is a difference between the two? And if so, what? Yeah, I definitely think that there is a difference. And and I think it's important because we don't just, you know, share our testimonies just for stories for people to hear or so that people know about our lives or, um, you know, the things that we've been through. But actually the word testimony comes from the Hebrew word, a duth. 
And this word literally means do it again with the same power and authority. So when we speak out or even read a testimony, we're literally saying, do it again, God. And, you know, even in Revelation 12, 11, it says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so I think it's important to understand, too, like how much power is behind sharing what God has done and giving people the hope that he will do it again. Yeah, I would say as well, Matt, that the when you're telling your story quite often, there's uh, people say we, they get triggered and they get re-traumatized as they go into those memories again. But what happens is like when you've overcome and you've healed and you're on the other side of it and you've seen what Jesus has done, it becomes a testimony. So then when you're sharing it, you're actually releasing faith and the power of God. Now, Bryn, you are 23 years old and you have just released your first book. It's called Dying to Live. What was the instigator? Why did you write this book? And tell us a little bit about what it's about. Well, I've never been much of a writer. I didn't even do well in English classes growing up. Um, but really, I, I wrote this book as a, a step of obedience to the Lord. I He was so clear for me to write this book. I got co- confirmation in so many different areas. Um, and so I just, in faith, just started writing. And Really, the book, the first half is my testimony and it is my life story. And then the second half is the testimony of Jesus in my life and um, different kind of key learnings of the faith and of a walk with Jesus that really allowed me to open my heart so that Jesus could transform my life. Yeah. So Bryn, your childhood was much different. It was not a normal childhood. Give us a picture of what some of that looked like. What was the home like that you grew up in? So when I was little, my parents got divorced really when I was a baby Um, and kind of growing up, they were Christians or they thought they were Christians, but they weren't really practicing. They didn't really know what it, what it means to really be a Christian and follow Jesus. And, you know, from a young age, my parents separate, they started introducing new people into our lives. And that led me and my older sister, Abby, into 10 years of abuse of um, emotional, physical and sexual abuse. And at 12 years old, that person got removed from my life and, and my sister's life. And so, you know, at 12, we were really struggling with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And obviously, a 12-year-old doesn't really know how to cope with anything really in life. And so to cope, we turned to smoking, drinking, and drugs. And, you know, by 15, you know, my, my addiction just continued to get worse and worse. And to feed that addiction, I started, it kind of started affecting my actions. And so I was breaking into cars um, you know, stealing all that kind of stuff. And at 15, I also got caught for this and my parents gave me an ultimatum. So either I could stay in Toronto and be homeless and charged with grand theft auto, or I could go to rehab. So I obviously took, took rehab and, um, I ended up being there for a year and a half and it wasn't a Christian rehab. So it, it helped me to start to talk about my childhood and what I had been through, but it didn't really give me any hope for the future because coming out of rehab, they were like, okay, you have to be sober, get a job and go to school. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible. And I don't want to do really any of those things. Um, but I tried. And so I went to university, got a job, things like that. Um, and the summer coming out of rehab, I ended up, um, experiencing two more instances of, you know, sexual abuse and really any hope for life or the world left. And I kind of just went right back into drugs and partying. And, you know, during that time, me and my older sister, Abby, we were super close. We lived really similar lives, um, you know, and, and had the same friend groups. And the way that we were living, everyone 
everyone, like the adults in our lives would tell us that it only leads to one place and that's death. And we didn't really believe that at the time we thought that, you know, we're young. Yeah. Maybe we're acting kind of dumb, but we'll figure it out at some point. Maybe. Um, yeah, can I ask a question, Brian? I'm just curious from your perspective as a dad, you're watching your girls and they're going through a lot of pain. They're acting out They're in addiction uh, from a father's perspective. What was that like for you to watch all of that? It was quite a roller coaster that uh, we'd had times where we thought we were turning a corner and things were going well. And then all of a sudden, you know, addiction would grab hold and, you know, further traumas would be experienced and, and they started going into those dark places again. So, I mean, it's, you do enter into, I did enter into suffering uh, with my girls and just the, the instability and it, you know, it tore our family apart and, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, failed marriage and just the, the hurt that goes along with that. But it was, it was incredibly difficult. Luckily at 2016, when things really start to get bad, that's when I had given my life to the Lord. So it gave me an entirely different perspective. As your girls are spiraling and they're dealing with their addiction and really as a dad, the weight of all of that is is just huge. And and really for any dad, that would be enough to just make you have to stop everything and and pour everything into what's going on in that situation. But for you, that was not the only thing that was happening in your life. What else was going on? Yeah, I thought I was at a rock bottom. Um, already, because there was a, there was some things happening in business and some financial shaking. You know, both of my daughters were were struggling, and then you know Abby's murder, and I thought, okay, things cannot get worse than this. That th- there's got to be a turnaround. And as I mentioned, we, you know, I did the funeral, um, and we celebrated her life, and and just gave glory to God, and shared you know the testimony of Jesus, and you know, and all through that. And so about two or three weeks later everything was still getting worse. And Bryn was on even a darker trajectory in her life. And I received a prophetic word uh, from a a man that I trust very much. And he said, Brian, I get a word and it's called slash and burn. And he said, the what's happening, it's a process that the Lord is involved in, and it's not going to be fast and it's not going to be easy. And um, so, so that really it was a gift from God. It was a hard word to hear. And he said, I don't want to, I don't want to water it down. I have to give it to you directly as the Lord gave it to me. And he said, what's going to happen is as a result of all this, when everything's burned down, there's going to be beautiful new growth that's going to emerge. So when I actually wrote the book, um, I was going through a divorce and uh, I was, so I was living by myself. We were under COVID lockdowns, which was very, very uh, difficult in Toronto. So there was a lot of isolation and we were going through at the same time, the murder trial of my daughter. I was going through the sale of my family home and a corporate lawsuit. And at the same time, I went through a perfect storm in all of my finances. So multiple seven figure losses, things that were cash flow frozen up. And it was just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But the peace that I experienced in the midst of all that and just understanding the goodness of God. That's why we have to be able to hold on to the character of God and who he is and who we are. So when we know those things, we can be so anchored in our future and what God has for us. It seems oftentimes that when we encounter these seasons, and for both of you, these were very long and drawn out and very difficult seasons. But Bryn, I'm I'm curious, what was the turning point for you where God steps in and your story begins to change. 
when I was 18, um, my dad had just started walking in his faith, um, maybe two years before that. And at 18 was definitely like the worst year of my life, the most traumatic year of my life when, um, my big sister was murdered. And I, I didn't see life getting better after that point. I really spiraled. I was 90 pounds, super skinny, uh, my mental health was just deteriorating. I was suicidal. I was depressed. I would wake up every morning screaming and crying, just realizing that I was still alive. And so I, I really didn't see any hope. Um, but and that was my response to you know the trauma of my sister's death. And I I would see my dad, and I would see how he was responding to the death of his daughter, which is definitely the you know worst and hardest thing he's ever been through in his life. And it was so crazy different. And I knew that you know, obviously he has more life experience. He's older, he's more mature, all this stuff. But I could tell that that wasn't it. The way that he responded, even like in, in remaining the rock of our family and just really fully relying on the Lord and in the worst time of like grief in his life was, it was supernatural really. And so it, it got me curious of, okay, there's something here and I want to figure out what it is or give myself a chance to have this too. You know, you're both going through very similar experiences and lots of loss, obviously from different perspectives. But a lot of times, Bryn, when when a, a child is looking at their parents' faith, sometimes that faith comes off as overbearing. It becomes too much. But it seems like your interaction with your dad and his faith and the peace, the way he's experiencing everything that he's going through it, it did not come down as a burden um, or this great weight upon you, but it was almost more invitational than anything else. Yeah. And it didn't really happen before it was like the last option for me. <laughs> like I, I tried everything, right? Like I tried going to rehab. I had drug counselors that I was working with when I wasn't in rehab. I did so many different kinds of therapy for like most of my life and really nothing worked. And obviously drugs were not working. Um, and so it's sad that literally turning to Jesus was my my last and final option, but also, you know, the Lord knows me and how I operate in my mind and my heart. And he knew that, you know, if that's what needs to happen, that's what needs to happen. And so like, even in his love of like allowing me to go through all these other options first, because it is my choice. And, you know, he loves me enough to give me like the free will to choose him or to choose something else. Now, Brian, you watched both of your daughters struggle and live through their stories with great difficulty. What is it like today to actually hear Bryn on the other side of all of this? Well, when you just mentioned, you know, the was there a draw from from faith? There was a draw and then a repulsion, a draw and a repulsion. I'd invite her into uh, prayer meetings and yeah, we had prophetic people around and they began to pray or prophesy and she would literally uh, get up, slam the door and run out. So, and then, you know, and then next time she would not come and I, but I just kept inviting her and, um, it was messy, very, very messy. But, um, I think just over time, just the, just, you know, in her desperation, you know, she could clearly see, um, you know, what was possible in the Lord. And that, uh, I think that really began to shift and change a lot of things, but, um, just to see like the, the transformation, it was in October of 2019 when we did the deliverance session. And that's, that's really where, you know, that, uh, 
there was a uh, a breaking of that uh, really wanting to die, and it began a new trajectory. And it, I mean, it wasn't instant, but it was uh, it was a whole new road that she was on. And I mean, hope began to fill all of our hearts. And uh, and at that point, you know, Bryn became really my sole focus. I just there was nothing more important than her. Now, I want to go back to something that you just said. You said the word deliverance, and I know that in a wide and varied crowd of people who are listening and have different perspectives, we hear the word deliverance and that brings up a lot of potential different pictures. Bryn, what was that like for you to go into something like that? And how was that the beginning of hope? Well, I also had never really heard about deliverance before. And my my first thoughts in my mind was that like, exorcisms that I've seen in movies or different things like that. And, um, so it was kind of freaky, but obviously I was, that was wrong. That was not actually what it is. But, um, I went into this session, literally a woman that I had never met before. Um, you know, just like sitting in an office room at a church and, um, really it was just help helping to lead me through prayers. Um, and just, just prayers of freedom and prayers of healing and, um, really just like breaking anything that had been attached to me because of my actions, like in the spirit and giving me a clean slate almost. And this woman literally just started prophesying and even just telling me things that had happened in my life that at that point I hadn't told anyone yet. And I was like, how did you know that? And I was so freaked out at first. And she was like, yeah, like God told me and he wants to heal you today. And that was like the first moment that I realized kind of like how present God is and how real he is and that he does speak because before that I had heard like, oh yeah, God speaks. And I was like, all right, like maybe to you, like, and it sounded a little bit crazy to me, but, um, really it it was a moment of like encounter with the presence and the spirit of God. When we, when we left deliverance, I mean, we were, uh, I was so hopeful because I thought, okay, this, I had faith it was going to work and I was excited. And then Bryn's like, dad, the voices are coming back. I'm feeling the same way. And, and she began to, to panic. And, um, we were driving on the way back to Toronto and I mean, a lot happened between then and the drive, but, um, I switched lanes. And when I switched lanes, Bryn's like, careful, dad, I don't want to die. And all of a sudden she's like, dad, dad, did you hear what I said? And we, we both started laughing. We couldn't believe it that, uh, you know, that, that shift did occur. And I mean, so there was, I mean, the things in the spirit, you know, they, they do happen and for the manifest on earth and, you know, there's a, there can be, it may not always look like what we expect, but, uh, that was, that was really the turning point when, um, no longer was she suicidal and she began to encounter God for the first time. Bryn, as you've gone throughout the last year, you've shared your story in a lot of different places, a lot of different formats, anything from on the street to other podcasts or to radio or television. And there's something powerful that is embedded. And obviously this is, this is the story of God at work in your life. But I'm curious, people are listening to this through their own filter and they have their own triggers. They're working through their own stuff. But what has it been like for you to be able to share the story and then receive that feedback. What kind of reactions have you been getting from people and and how has that stirred your own soul? It really just kind of puts me in a place of awe and really like just an understanding of what an honor it is to get to be a part of God's plan and, you know, a part of what he's doing in the world. And I think it really helps me because when I like forget or feel like, you know, Oh, it's, it's a small piece or it's this or it's that. And, and I get to like share with people or, you know, fill people with faith or hope or whatever it looks like. Um, 
it really like makes everything worth it. And it doesn't feel real because it feels like my testimony, like my real life and my testimony started the day that I decided to make Jesus Lord of my life. And so I don't really think about all the, all of this trauma and stuff. I don't really think about it very often until, you know, somebody's like, Oh, can you come here and share? And sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like I I don't want to share this anymore. But then I get to see the moments where it unlocks something in someone or it breaks something off of someone, or even from my book, you know, there's some of the responses I've gotten from my book of, you know, I've never heard Jesus described like this, or I've never heard like what it means to actually walk out your faith and, and that it's more than just sitting in a church building. And I wrote the book with one person in mind and I knew that God would take me through like a two year process of writing if if it would just impact one person. And so, you know, the responses that I've got and, um, the amount of people that, you know, have read it and been impacted by it is, is just wild. It is wild. And I I think, isn't that the beautiful thing about God is this idea of co-authorship that he gives us the pen and he allows us to write the story of our own lives. Brian, how have you seen God at work as you have shared your testimony to bless other people? Well, I would say almost infinitely. So I've bought about probably 400 copies of Bryn's book and anyone within, I live in downtown Toronto, probably a, a two block radius businesses. They, they all have it. You know, I meet people at just divine appointments. I give it to them and the feedback from it. And you know, my mother's probably given up. We just, we just calculated just under a hundred as well in her community in the East coast of Canada. And it's, um, it actually inspires faith in mature believers. Um, it inspires faith of parents for their children. Um, and it's interesting. We began by talking about stories. So Bryn's book, you know, the first half of her book is her life story. And she goes into just so vulnerably the details of all that. And then the second half is really the testimony of Jesus. And, uh, and she really outlines the faith and with such simplicity and such beauty. And it really touches people deeply. Brian, what do you say to people who are still living in the hard part of their story? They're not too far gone and that no one is ever too far gone for, you know, the restoration and redemption of Jesus in their life. Um, because I definitely, you know, I, I didn't have any hope for my future and I definitely thought I was too far gone. Um, but even when I just gave Jesus the little bit I had each day of like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to, even at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to give him three months that's it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's like, you know, even though he deserves so much more than that and he deserves our whole lives and our eternities and everything else that like, he'll take those three months, he'll take the little tiny bit that you give him and he'll, you know, he'll encounter you in ways that you definitely would not have thought possible. And so I think like, even if your heart is just open a little bit to him, give that little bit to him and see what happens. Yeah. I had a friend who said, I had no problem asking Jesus into my heart because if I didn't like it, I would just tell him to get back out. Right. Yeah. So those are those moments, but there are really some of those stories. I, I know people have prayed with people on their deathbed in those 11th hour moments where they just gave their life over to the Lord before they passed away. I I know people who it took years and months and even just seconds, even for my own life. Uh, I went to a Christian camp in high school and I was sick the entire week and only made it to the last chapel. And it was in that one chapel. That's all I needed. God really moved my heart. And that's what set me in trajectory of going into ministry. So in all of these things, God is constantly drawing us to himself and he is pulling these testimonies out of our lives where it seems like there is no hope so that he might get the glory. And that that phrase just shows 
up over and over again that they may know that I am the Lord. Over and over again, God wants to make himself known. Now, Brian, God has made himself known in your life and through your testimony, and there's an invitation for God to do it again. But out of all of this, you have written a book. And I, I'm just curious for you, like what what started you? You're you're an engineer. What started you on this path where you said, I think I want to write a book? And and what was that journey like for you going into all of that? Yeah, well, the uh, I mean my book, I, I did not intend to write a book. And, you know, I just, I just started writing kind of like Bryn, like I'm an engineer. I have really never written anything before and, um, and just partnering with God on it. And, uh, it just beginning to write about grace for Bryn. And then it began to just to really expand into, into so many different areas that we'll definitely get into, uh, later in the podcast. But the, um, one of the things that, uh, just, you know, as God was forming me and as I was in relationship with him, I just couldn't help but write. Like I wanted to share what he had done in my life, you know, what he was and has done in, in my daughter's life and just, um, just share the goodness of God. Like I would say the main theme throughout the entire book is the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And, and so often like my mother is a great example that, uh, you know, I went to church when I was, you know, as a Christian and then I left when I was about 18, totally left the church for 12 years and slowly inched my way back. And, you know, she thought I was the least likely ever to come back. And, uh, but she prayed decade after decade. And then when I came back, I, I really kind of exploded into the kingdom and same with Bryn. And we all held the faith for Bryn as well. And so it never looks like it's not according to our timing and it doesn't always look like what we expect, but we can rely on his goodness. Yeah. So Brian and Bryn, as we bring this first episode to a close, I'm going to ask you guys to just pray for us and pray for future episodes. But we also believe that when we pray, even though this prayer is happening right now at this exact moment in time, that our God who exists outside of time, he can work in our lives. Whether you're listening to this episode in February, July, or November, or 10 years from now, that God wants to do something in our lives and he wants to activate something. And, and Bryn, you even mentioned this activation prayer. Can you just give us a quick explanation as to what that is? Um, yeah. So an activation prayer really, you know, it's, it's great. All the things that we've been talking about, it's awesome to be able to share God's word and, you know, his heart and different things like that. But I think, um, you know, every person listening to this podcast has a story and has a testimony and has uh, you know, a, a unique one and God has specific plans and purposes for their life. And so I think it's important, you know, even to just pray for an activation of those things in their life. And, um, you know, or even, even if that looks like an impartation of hope or an activation within their purpose, um, you know, it can look different every time, but yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, what I'm going to ask is would just both of you close out this episode in prayer for us as we go. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time that we can just glorify you and talk about you and, you know, share the testimony of Jesus in our lives. And, you know, we thank you that every single person listening to this, that you have walked with them throughout their whole lives and that you have had your hand on their life and that, you know, every everything that they've been through, that you have plans and purposes um, for them in those things, whether they're good things or hard things, Lord. And we thank you that through the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb that we overcome. And so, yeah, Lord, right now, I just pray that you would even give purpose to any pain in any, anyone's life that's listening to this right now, Lord. I pray that you would even just start to show them pieces of their, um, of their 
destiny, Lord, and and why it's important that they've gone through certain things or how you've used what the enemy meant for evil for the good of the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, Lord, I just pray for even an impartation of hope right now that if they don't feel like they're seeing these things in their life, Lord, that they would um, hold on to the truth that you are a God that is forever present with them and um, always working for the good of those that love him. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for every listener right now, Lord, that you are doing something wonderful in their lives and you've got plans that you prepared before the foundation of the earth for each and every person. And there's no one too far gone for you. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you will do in their lives. And I just agree that as we've been speaking, Lord, that the impartation of faith for God to do it again in their lives, in their circumstance, that he knows every hair on your head. And I just declare arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is all around you. I declare you are blessed. I declare you are highly favored. I declare the redemptive power of the Lord Jesus Christ over your life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to our first episode of The Father Pursuit. We are so thankful for the opportunity to share our testimonies with you today. We believe that no matter how broken the relationships between fathers and their children may seem, God's grace is sufficient for restoration. We hope these stories have inspired you to share your story with others and never give up on pursuing a father's heart. And if you want to dive into Bryn's story, go to m46ministries.com and purchase her book, Dying to Live. Also, while you're on there, you'll be able to pre-order Brian's upcoming book, More Than Gold. Both of these books are incredible and they will stir your soul no matter who you are and no matter where you are at. So join us next time as we continue our journey together. And until then, may your pursuit be blessed.